Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking an apple martini. What are you having, Jenny? I'm drinking a glass of blueberry wine, and on today's episode, we're discussing the murder of Amber Hagerman and how her death created the Amber Alert system. As a warning, there will be talk of sexual assault in this case. Amber Renee Hagerman was born on November 25, 1986 to Donna Norris and Richard Hagerman in Arlington, Texas. Her younger brother Ricky was born four years later. Her parents split in 1994 and Amber lived primarily with her mother and Ricky in Arlington, Texas. At one point, they even lived in a women's shelter until Donna could get back on her feet. Amber was a straight-A student and a Girl Scout that loved riding her bike, Pocahontas, and playing with her Barbie dolls. She loved creative writing and was described as a kind child. In the fall of 1995, Amber, her mom, and brother were featured in a local news documentary focused on welfare reform. Journalist Pam Curry and her crew spent weeks with the family for the segment and grew very close with them. They captured loving moments between the family, like dinners and Amber's ninth birthday party. During the filming, Amber even showed off her school awards and photos. The documentary showcased how Donna, Amber, and Ricky were a strong family unit that relied on one another. On January 13, 1996, nine-year-old Amber and five-year-old Ricky were at their grandparents' house when they decided they wanted to ride their bikes. According to Donna, she told the siblings to stay together, only ride around the block a few times, and come right back. Donna remembers Amber saying, quote unquote, okay, mommy, I love you, before they went for their ride. Amber and Ricky rode to a nearby abandoned grocery store and rode their bikes around the parking lot and on the building's delivery ramp. At some point, Ricky decided he wanted to go home, but Amber didn't. So Ricky went back to their grandparents' home without his sister. When he returned, their grandfather, Jimmy Whitson, asked where Amber was. Ricky said he had left her at the grocery store and Whitson asked him to go back and get her. By the time Ricky made it back to the parking lot, Amber had vanished. All that was left was her pink bicycle. What Amber's family didn't know was that 78-year-old Jim Kevill was working in his backyard when he saw Amber get pulled from her bike into a dark-colored pickup truck that sped away towards the center of Arlington. He immediately called 911. Kevill told police that the truck was from either the 1980s or 90s and that he had seen it parked earlier at a nearby laundromat before the assailant drove up, abducted Amber, and drove off. The kidnapper was described as a white or Hispanic man in his 20s or 30s. Police arrived at the scene quickly, but Amber and her abductor were nowhere to be seen. Whitson returned to the parking lot after the police had gotten there. He saw Amber's bike and told an officer that it was his granddaughter's. The officer then notified him of the kidnapping. Amber's family went into action straight away and their community supported them. They had missing persons flyers printed the same night as her disappearance and quickly began distributing them. Donna contacted both local media and the FBI asking for their help. Volunteers helped police and family search all of Arlington for Amber. Detective Ben Lopez said in 2016, quote, For those first few days, we spent all of our extra time looking. It was like if you weren't on another call, you were actively looking for her. We were looking everywhere in the city, end quote. The news team that had worked with Amber's family was devastated when Donna called to share the news. In hopes of finding Amber, they released their documentary footage to the public. Four days later, on the night of January 17, 1996, a man walking his dog found the new body of a child lying face down near a creek behind an apartment complex just a few miles from from where Amber was kidnapped. Neighbors remembered the man running back to the apartment saying, quote, I think it's that girl Amber, end quote. Pam Curry and a cameraman 
were allowed into Amber's home and they anxiously waited for six hours alongside Amber's family for confirmation that the child was indeed Amber. Unfortunately, fingerprints confirmed that it was Amber and that she had been murdered. Her official cause of death was listed as cut wounds to the throat. Her body was cut so badly that Donna was discouraged from seeing her. The coroner determined that Amber was kept alive for at least 48 hours after her abduction and that she was sexually assaulted multiple times. Amber's family was heartbroken and in disbelief and the news crew continued to follow their journey. Police were now on the hunt for a murderer. A thunderstorm had come in the night before Amber was found, which likely destroyed any physical evidence on Amber's body in the surrounding area. Authorities released a psychological profile of Amber's killer. He was believed to be at least 25 and lived or worked near the area where Amber was abducted. They theorized that something stressful, like the loss of a job, divorce, or an argument with a loved one, caused the killer to quote-unquote snap and attack Amber. More evidence to support the idea of a local killer is that the killer drove into the center of town after the abduction rather than to nearby by Highway 360. The area where Amber was discovered was also secluded, leading detectives to theorize that her murder was familiar with the location. A massive search took place for Amber's killer. However, as time passed, Amber's case went cold. Amber's kidnapping and death shocked her community. At that time, the only way to get information about abducted children out to the public was through the newspaper or TV, which could take hours. Following the discovery of Amber's body, a local mother, Diana Simone, called the Fort Worth, Texas radio station asking if they would broadcast when a child was abducted in their community, just like they did with severe weather alerts. Her hope were that the sooner information was released to the public, the quicker they could share tips with law enforcement and bring the missing child home safe. Simone then wrote a letter to the station requesting that if her alert system was put in place, it would be known as Amber's Plan in honor of Amber Hagerman. Broadcasters in the Dallas-Fort Worth area began partnering with local law enforcement to develop an early warning system for abducted children. Their plan was renamed the AMBER, America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response Alert, and was put into place in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas in October 1996. At first, the Amber Alert shared the abductor's vehicle information and was done exclusively over the radio, I'm sorry, in order, quote, to reach people who were out of their homes, out in the vehicles, driving around and tuning into local radio stations, end quote. Throughout 1996, other areas of the country began establishing similar emergency management programs to notify the public when a child was abducted. However, their alert system was slow to spread, and by the end of 2001, only four states had statewide AMBER plans. During a White House conference on missing, exploited, and runaway children in 2002, the Amber Alert Emergency Management Program came into the national spotlight. On April 30, 2003, President George W. Bush signed the PROTECT Act into law, which provided the emergency preparedness and response tools necessary to create a national Amber Alert program. 
With these tools, Hawaii became the 50th state to complete its statewide Amber Alert Emergency Preparedness Plan in February 2005. The Department of Justice's recommended criteria for issuing an Amber Alert are Law enforcement must confirm that an abduction has taken place. The child is at risk for serious injury or death. There is sufficient descriptive information of the child, captor, or captor's vehicle to issue an alert. The child must be 17 years or younger. It is recommended that the child's name and other critical data be entered immediately into the FBI's National Crime Information Center. Information describing the circumstances of the abduction should be entered and the case flagged as a child abduction. Most states follow this criteria. Today, Amber Alerts are broadcast in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Indian Country, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and 27 other countries via television, radio, road signs, hotel chains, internet service providers, apps, and wireless phones. Systems were required to be fully deployed within 28 months of the December 2009 adoption of such standards and were expected to be delivering alert messages to the public by 2012. One of the biggest updates to the Amber alert system was the onset of the wireless emergency alerts program. This allowed the public to instantly access information and photos of the abducted child, suspect, and vehicle right on their phones. As of November 24, 2021, 1,085 children were rescued specifically because of Amber Alerts. 97 children have been rescued because of wireless emergency alerts. Donna Norris is incredibly proud of her daughter's legacy and has fought for legislative change to further protect children from sexual predators. Donna and Richard testified before Congress in order for the nationwide sex offender database and registry to be formed and helped get the legislation passed in May 1996. They were present when then-President Clinton signed the bill into law and were mentioned by him during the press conference. Donna has since earned awards for her advocacy work. She, Ricky, and the rest of her family are still hoping Amber will receive justice. Amber's case has received over 7,000 tips, but is still unsolved 26 years later. Potential suspects in her murder have included Terrapon Adhan, a convicted sex offender who admitted to abducting and killing Amber years after her murder. However, it was discovered that Adhan was not in Texas at the time of Amber's kidnapping or death. Several unnamed leads are still being investigated by Arlington law enforcement, and Amber's case is still open. Police are still looking into leads. In 2021, police held a press conference on the 25th anniversary of Amber's kidnapping. They shared that they've held onto a small amount of DNA evidence, and they're hopeful that advancements in DNA technology will help them finally solve this decades-long case. Currently, at the site of Amber's abduction, there is a memorial mural and statue of an angel. Amber is nicknamed Arlington's Angel. Donna has said that when she hears an abducted child has been reunited with their family because of the Amber Alert, she, quote, looks up to heaven and says, you did it again, baby girl. Del, what are your thoughts on this case and did you know about the history of the Amber Alert? So yeah, I was familiar with the history of the Amber Alert system. I worked in childcare, so that was one of the things that we got educated on as the process of, you know, licensing and stuff like that. I think this case is one of the saddest cases. We talked about this beforehand about how disturbing it is and how we just feel for her family and everything that they had to go through. And I think that it's really special that the Amber Alert system has helped so many children be reunited with their families. I think it's one of those things where 
something positive came out of a heinous crime and a disgusting set of circumstances. What about you? I also was familiar with the Amber Alert and how it got its name, but as I was doing research, I watched a lot of news clips and so many people in the comments had no idea who Amber was and why it was named the Amber Alert. Some people thought it was like Amber, like the color, which I thought was really interesting. You know, I was familiar with that, but hearing that it wasn't like effective everywhere in the US until 2005 was really like shocking to me. I guess I wouldn't have known offhand that Amber was kidnapped in 1996. I thought maybe it was like the 80s, early 90s, but that was kind of surprising. I think if you bring this up to most people like, oh yeah, the girl who was kidnapped and now we have the Amber Alert, I think a lot of people would probably think her case was solved. So that's really shocking that it's not. And it's really sad. Police have information that they're not going to share with the public, but there was really like no theories no evidence. This person got very lucky. And with that rain, especially, they were really lucky. Because I think if it hadn't been for the rain, we would probably be a little closer to knowing who this person is. I really hope that the advancements in DNA technology can help and that they don't waste this DNA that they do have. So I'm glad that they've been holding on to it and they really had like the forethought to do that. Del and I watched this documentary called After Amber and it's going to be linked in like our sources for the episode and it's done by the people that were working on the welfare reform special with Amber and her family and it's heartbreaking but I really encourage everyone to watch it. I don't know why exactly this was like such a hard case for me to review and not get emotional. Just so sad seeing people suffer, especially children, and to see a family have to suffer. I mean, Donna has done great stuff, but she's had a lot of suffering in her life. And she's overcome a lot in her life to have accomplished so much. She dropped out of school when she was in seventh grade. So that's why education was really important for Amber and Ricky. You know, she worked so hard to protect other children after her own daughter died. And she's had a lot of loss in her life. Her second husband died around the same time as her father. And then not long after that, her older sister passed away too. So a lot of loss and a lot that this woman has overcome. She really reminds me of Noreen Gosh. I know we're big fans of her on this podcast. And I think we can add Donna to this list too. And I really, really hope she sees justice for her daughter sooner rather than later. Del, do you think Amber's case will ever be solved um unfortunately i don't think so i think that when it comes to these cold cases one of the most important things is what happens initially in the case it is promising that there's some dna and maybe through like familial dna testing we may get something but you know obviously that is a game of luck in a lot of ways so while i definitely like you say in all of these unsolved cases i hope that it gets solved i think the probability is fairly low in this case how about you I do think it will be solved. I have no idea who it would have been. I would hope that they're in jail, but I also don't want to think that they went and victimized another child. I don't know. I wonder, you know, like we said, it is very minimal DNA evidence. So like I said, I really hope it gets used for a good reason and that something good is able to come. Amber's abduction is an example of stranger abduction. Stranger abductions are simply defined as being perpetrated by someone not known to or recognized by the victim. 
These are the quote-unquote stereotypical abductions where a stranger takes a child overnight or a distance of 50 miles or more and then kills, ransoms, or evidence an intent to keep the child permanently. Though these are often what's portrayed in TVs and movies, stranger abductions are very rare. According to the FBI, on average, fewer than 350 people under the age of 21 have been abducted by strangers in the United States per year between 2010 and 2017. Stranger abductions along with non-family abductions are considered a significantly more dangerous crime that is potentially life-threatening to the minor who has been kidnapped. There are four main reasons for committing stranger or non-family kidnapping. The first is for a sexual purpose. The majority of abductions committed by non-family members are motivated by the offender's sexual interest in the child. The second is to exert control, aggression, or violence. These types of abductions are motivated by an offender's desire to control, dominate, and cause harm to a child and or a child's family. The third is due to emotional or mental health issues. These types of child abductions are committed by offenders with severe mental health issues. For example, a female offender who takes a very young child or newborn thinking that the child is in fact her child or with the desire to make the child quote-unquote her own. The fourth reason is a financial incentive or motive. These types of abductions occur because an individual intends to profit from the abduction. Stranger abductions can be difficult to predict or detect. While Amber was screaming and forcefully abducted, it can sometimes be easy for a stranger to earn a child's trust and walk away with them without issue. Attempted abductions occur more often when a child is going to or from school or school-related activities. School-aged children are at greatest risk on school days before and after school and after dinner time. Attempted abductions most often occur on the street while children are playing, walking, or riding bikes. Missing Kids Canada recommends for parents and guardians to pay attention to individuals hanging around places where a child plays, any individual paying an unusual amount of attention to a child or children in your community, and any individual blurring or breaking appropriate boundaries in an effort to befriend a child. Some things that can reduce the likelihood of a child being victimized are proper supervision, teaching your child basic personal safety skills, utilizing the buddy system, encouraging them to trust their instincts, and teaching your child to be assertive by saying no, setting limits, and making a scene if they are in danger. The Amber Alert system isn't the only public notification system for missing persons or dangerous individuals in the United States. Silver Alerts are a program that send out an alert to help find older adults who are missing, particularly those who have Alzheimer's or dementia. It can also be used for missing adults with cognitive disorders. In 2005, Oklahoma State Representative Fred Perry shared his plans to introduce the Silver Alert. 27 states have a Silver Alert program in effect and more have similar programs for missing seniors. 
Then there's blue alerts, and blue alerts are used to quickly share information on violent criminals who have killed or seriously injured local, state, or federal law enforcement officers with the public and the media. Blue alerts can also be issued when a suspect poses an imminent and credible threat to law enforcement or when an officer is missing in the line of duty. Blue alerts started in Florida in 2008, and now the blue alert law is active in 36 states. Some states have other less widespread advisories. If a missing person or endangered person does not fit into the amber alert or silver alert criteria, it's common for a general missing and endangered person alert to be issued. And Texas is one of those states that kind of has their own. Um, They have a camo alert and then the clear alert. The clear is for the people that don't fall into the silver or the amber alert criteria. And then the camo one is related to people in the military. There is criticism of adding more color-coded alert systems. Some think it will weaken the Amber Alert system since the public would be issued more alerts, and this runs the risk of desensitizing people to the alert or having people just flat out ignore them. Some officials have argued that implementing these systems nationwide would also be too costly. What are your thoughts on all that criticism? I totally disagree. I think that it's really important that we are doing everything we can to quickly address the needs of individuals that are in danger. I don't think that people would become desensitized to alerts. And it might be better to have a combined system. So within the Amber Alert system, having it where the criteria is expanded to include other individuals. But short of that, we need ways to make sure that people know about things outside of missing children, which is important. Don't get me wrong, but I think that people who criticize the other alert systems are basically saying, well, this would affect the Amber Alert system, therefore we shouldn't do it, which inherently increases the thoughts that the lives of missing seniors and law enforcement officers are less important than children. And that's not the case. Everyone deserves to have the public be aware that something has happened to them so that it can be addressed as soon as possible. What about you? I understand the criticism, but I am the same. I don't agree with it. I think the argument that it's too costly is ridiculous. It's too costly to like save people's lives. Like, what is that? I understand the issue of people getting desensitized. I know some people that have like the alerts flat out turned off on their phone, which I don't agree with. Like if I can help in any situation, I personally want to help. I know like, what are the odds really that, oh, I'm going to be riding on the same road at the same time as this person but you never know how you can help someone senior child anybody in a lot of the research that i saw with the amber alerts people were always saying like oh like your heart kind of stops when you get that notification and i do think it's true like when you hear that beep on your phone i'm always like what's going on like is it weather like what is it and it's always kind of scary I think when you're in like a a public place and then everyone's phones go off at the same time I know I've been on planes and then we landed and everyone's alerts were going off I see your point too about you know saying that a child's life is more important than anyone else's Um, and I like your idea of kind of combining them all into one like do they really need all types of names I think Maybe we keep the Amber Alert and then just stick with like endangered, like missing person for everyone else. And, you know, maybe it's too much to then say like missing person. This is like a, you know, 80 some year old woman with dementia, like be on the lookout. But I don't know. I think there's ways to avoid it. I really hope it doesn't desensitize people. Like I don't get 
Amber Alerts very often. I can't imagine anyone just constantly like getting these types of alerts and being desensitized and like annoyed by them, but who knows? That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about Amber Hagerman and the history of the Amber Alert system. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. We will be back next week for the brand new episode focused on Elliot Rogers, the incel killer. As always, stay safe. Thank <laughs> you.